This is the Hofstra Radio Alumni Audio Yearbook. Today is January 22nd, 2023. Please tell us your name and the years you were at Hofstra Radio. Uh, Jamie Meyer, and I was at Hofstra Radio twice, actually, from 89 to 91, and then again from uh, 97 to 99. Okay, and what shows or programs or departments did you work in at the station? Primarily sports, um, but I also did the uh, Hofter morning wake-up call for a good part of the year, my uh, final year, senior year. Um, I did board up for a few shows, not many. Um, My first go-around, though, I did classics, I think, which many uh, had their entry into the whole board up world. Um, And... uh, think that covers it. I did do the news show, the evening news show as well, um, a couple of times. And one of my early disasters was on that back in uh, probably, I guess, 1990. But uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that covers it. Okay. Uh, did you have any titles or positions at the station? I was co-sports director uh, my final year uh, with Anthony Garcia. Um, and that would be it. Yeah. Okay. Um, when you were on the air, did you use your own name? Did you have any nicknames or aliases? Uh, I eventually went with Jay Meyer, and that's how the folks from the, my second stint would know me. Um, and um, I decided on that. Um, actually, while I wasn't at Hofstra, I was doing some small radio, small radio station up in Vermont where I lived. And when I went on the air the first time, I finished my first intro and said, I'm Jamie Meyer. And I stumbled over it and it felt like too many M's in a row. Hmm. And it just felt like I was going to have a problem with that or be nervous about that every time I said my name. So uh, I decided to just go Jay Meyer and try it out. And it just kind of stuck while I stayed in radio. So interesting, interesting, cool. Okay, so I'm always interested in what brings people to the station, and I guess in your case, what brings you back to the station. So, what yeah. what brought you to Hofstra Radio at first, and then, uh, you know, if you if you can, if it makes sense, what brought you back? So, the first time that's why it's one of the reasons I went to Hofstra. Um, I a a a rep from Hofstra, an alumni, came to visit my high school when I was in Vermont where I was going to high school in Brattleboro, Vermont. And um, I don't recall their name, sadly, but they made it sound great. Um, Not just the radio, it wasn't just the radio station, but the school in general in terms of uh, a communication degree. Um, I was always in theater in high school, but I was also a big sports fan and loved, you know, the idea. And I decided that late in my high school theater career that I did not want to pursue that specifically, but what would I do? And I thought, well, all right, I like to speak. I like to be in front of people. I have no problem being on air. I love sports. I'll just be Bob Costas. Let's just do that. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, so when the rep came from Hofstra, it just seemed like it it felt like a perfect fit. I hadn't, hadn't visited the school, hadn't heard of it prior to this person showing up. Um, and then I came down for a visit. Um, I did 
see the radio station during that visit. I don't recall much from that visit, to be honest with you. I just remember being in the hallway. And this is when it was in, not, um, that was, I uh, forget the, the building it was in. It wasn't Dempster Hall yet, right? It was the- it was, uh, uh, Memorial Hall. Memorial, right. Thank you. Um, and so when I got to school, um, I, you know, made my way over there and said, I want to get involved. And, and my memory of the first go around and the people who were there is very hazy. I got to be honest, um, <laughs> because I didn't do that much. My first go around, uh, I wound up majoring in communications overall, and I got really in, heavily involved in the TV side, okay. a lot of TV production stuff. So, um, I, you know, I didn't wind up getting involved in sports early on. I did some classics uh, from Hofstra stuff. I remember that. I was pulled into a newscast, which was disastrous. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so that that was the initial uh, go in. And we'll get into more detail on that. But um, the second time around, so what happened was I went for two years and I ran out of money. And I was a, I had taken loans and so on. And I just, it, it just got to a point where I didn't feel like I could financially pull it off anymore. So uh, I left school and um, moved back to Vermont and worked retail and then started branching out and doing a whole bunch of other stuff. And then wound up um, being convinced by uh, a boss that I need to get back to my dream, which was, you know, being on air somewhere. So, uh, I wound up reaching out to a local radio station, got a job there. Um, and then eventually, you know, the whole goal was to get back to Hofstra and to go back to school and uh, get my degree. And so, um, when I eventually made it back, um, it was, it was 97, it was the fall of 97 mm -hmm. and, um, started right in, went right to the radio station and then got right into the training, accepted to the training class, um, which was, which was, you know, I, I had no problem. It wasn't, I did not have an ego about it or anything like that, but it was interesting because I had been working actually technically professionally in radio for the last, the previous two years. Um, so the training class didn't phase me, if you will. Um, right. I, knew, I knew I'd be able to just go through that and get, and get going. So, um, but that's how, that's how I went back. And then the training class was great. Um, Vinny Micucci became a good friend during that class. He was a freshman and he was a kid compared to me as I, well, you know, he was right. 18 and I was, I guess, 26 at the time. So it was, uh, but it was a, a really good friendship, really good bond. We made the two of us. Um, and it was, um, yeah, that's how, it, that's how it went. Oh, that's neat. Do you remember the name of the boss who told you to go back to your dream and, and look for a job? In <laughs> yeah, his name was Ken McAleer, and he I worked at a video store back when those things existed. Yeah, yeah. And um, <clears throat> I would always I was always in some form of media. I worked at a movie theater, then I went up to a video store, um, and um, I was a manager at one of the branches of this particular store called First Run Video. And I guess I wasn't doing a great job because he came to take me to lunch and he said, Hey, I'm going to take you to lunch. Uh, and he, he sat down and he goes, a lot of people back at the store think I'm going to fire you today. And I totally caught me off guard. I said, what? And he said, uh, he said, yeah, well, and you're not really holding up your end of the bargain here. What's going on? 
Um, and so we got to talking and he said, well, what do you want to do with your life? And I said, you don't want to work in retail, right? And I said, no, I'd, I, you know, I want to be on the radio. I want to be around TV. And he said, well, then what are you doing here? And I said, well, I don't know how to do that anymore. I dropped out of college, et cetera. And he said, well, why don't you go back? And, you know, anyway, he asked me a lot of questions that I didn't have good answers for. Right. Um, and it was a really good conversation that just kind of convinced me to get off my butt and get back to it. Um, and uh, so I actually enrolled in a community college just to get my credits back up to where they needed to be because the requirements had changed over the years and uh, did that, got going. And then at that, that day, I called the local radio station and said, do you need any help? And they go, yeah, we need somebody from nine to one in the morning, nine o'clock at night to one in the morning. Can you, can you come up here tomorrow? <laughs> so, so, wow. It's that easy. All right, great. Um, so I did, I did a whole bunch of stuff. I board opt for a jazz show on that station. I did some light time stuff. I did a lot of news reports um, and uh, did filled in the afternoons, things like that. So I was, I was on the air a lot there and it was, it was a great experience. And then, so coming back to school, the goal really was to get involved in the sports. That was the that was the main thing. I mean, I, I'd done the on-air stuff, and it was great, and it was a good experience, and it was something that I would be happy to do. But I wanted to be able to call a game. I wanted to call a baseball game, a football game, a basketball game, something. I wanted to get that experience in. Wow. So what was that station uh, back home in Vermont, and, and how big a station was it, if you remember? It, it was WVAY. And it's no longer there, um, like a lot of stations, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, and um, it was uh, it was they called it uh, deep, basically deep cuts. It was it was pop rock, folk kind of stuff. Um, I was I was there when um, I'm trying to think who were the big Duncan Sheik. Remember him? His sure. his album came out when I was there, and that was a big deal. I remember. Um, but it was just a small station at the base of Mount Snow in Vermont, if anyone knows the uh, the ski areas. And um, yeah, it didn't have a huge range. I don't recall what the wattage was, but uh, but it was good. It was a perfect situation for me. Cool, cool. But it seems like Hofstra and WRHU remained the goal. Were you thinking about other schools or other radio stations, or did you want to get back there? No, I mean, there was, there was no thought of anywhere else, to be quite honest. Um, I mean, I, I had another conversation I had was a, a friend of mine from high school had stopped in at the video store and said, uh, and he had, he was a, a year or two older than me. And he had, he, and I asked him what he was up to and he had gone back to school as well. And it was, mm. it was Tulane or something like that. And he, and he said that uh, it was great because all the opportunities that are afforded to college students that you just can't necessarily, you know, that you can do things in college that you just can't do in your professional life until you gain that experience and stature and all. Um, and I, he had gone on a trip overseas or something. I forget what it was exactly he had done that. I was like, wow, that's cool. I want to be able to do that. And, uh, long story short, I'll, 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 I'll spoil, I'll, I'll throw a spoiler out there, but eventually wound up going, you know, when I did go back to Hofstra and it was, it seemed like it was just, it only made sense to go back there. Mm. Um, eventually wound up in Hawaii with the basketball team. So nice. like, you know, those sort of things, you know, really did work out in the long run. Oh, that's very cool. Um, I want to take you back to, to your first stint um, at the station, which I guess would have been during the Jeff Krause era, right? Yes, Jeff Krause. Um, and it, it, I think I was only in a room with him once. I felt like I was only in a room with him once, <laughs> to yeah. be honest. Um, 
but seemed like a, you know a guy who really you know knew really knew his stuff and and and, and understood you know uh, the seriousness of the of the mission you know and that that was my impression of him yeah. um but i wound up getting um you know wanted to get involved and i remember i talked to and I, and I feel terrible that I don't remember names. You probably throw some of them out there. You may know. And it's funny because I think you were right in that gap where I wasn't there, right? So weren't you in that span in the late, the early 90s into into um, like 94, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, I was there in 1994. So. Okay. Yeah. So you were there when I was there, but but it was, you know, like I said, I wasn't there much. Um, right. But you would have taken an announcing class and would have gotten your FCC license. Yes. Yes. Correct. Did all that. That is correct. And do you, um, do you have any memories of doing that or training or tracking or was it just, and, or oh, and like, yeah, the tracking? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Good. That's yeah. Thank you for saying that. Cause I had forgotten that that's what it was called, but yes, I remember, I remember being in the studio. I remember having to log um, the, uh, the log stuff throughout, you know, throughout the shows and do the readings and so on. And I remember tracking with different hosts. I don't, and again, I, I'm terrible with names. I, I, I feel awful when I say that, but, um, it was such a blur that first go around. I felt completely out of my depth to be quite honest. And it was, it was, you know, I'm not, I felt like, yeah, I should be able to do this. You know, I've been on stage, I've performed music in front of people and things like that. I've, I've done all this stuff. I should, this shouldn't be so hard, but it was, it felt so hard. It yeah. felt like, it, it felt like it was so beyond my capability when I was there. And I felt like, you know, I, I really did feel like, you know, a true freshman, not really understanding what I needed to know and, and all that. Um, and I think that took me by surprise a little bit. Um, and I think that's probably why I wound up kind of nav, you know, migrating closer over to TV because when you're in TV at that point, you know, it's in production, you're not in front of the camera and it's, it's, you know, it's a little different feel. Yeah. Um, and, but I do remember, um, uh, that, uh, I remember the sports crew, um, you know, they had a whole bunch of stuff and it really did feel like, wow, this is going to be a while. I mean, and it wasn't any offense to them, but I felt like it's definitely going to be a while before I get on the air. And I didn't know how much patience I had for that. And I think that's another reason why I didn't quite, a, I didn't stick around and do that much with the radio station. My first stint, I didn't feel like I had the patience. Yeah. I mean, I give you, I give you a ton of credit. So many, I was a commuter student and I knew a lot of people at, at the university and I had friends, um, that I came in with. Um, for a lot of people moving away from home for the first time and going to a new university and trying these things out, it can be kind of overwhelming, but it seems like you were, you were willing to try things and, and to experiment. And that's, uh, that's, that's pretty cool. Did you have expectations of, you know, what the radio station would look like and what it would be before you came in? Um, yes. Uh, and it wasn't what I thought, um, to be honest, not when it was in Memorial hall. Right. I mean, it yeah. was, it was kind of in the basement and it was well, literally in the basement. Um, and, and, uh, and I remember, you know, going down there into the studio for the first time and it was like, like, wow, this kind of feels like, um, like a, a subversive kind of thing, you know, it was kind of a, it was kind of a cool feel in that respect. And I had been on the radio, I had been on a college radio station once before up in at UVM in Vermont while I was in high school, a friend's brother had a show and invited us on to do this little skit thing. And long story short, so I'd been around a studio like that before once. And, 
and their studio up at UVM was very similar to the RHU studio back then. And so it felt like, okay, I, I get this. I understand this is what it, this is what a college radio station is. This should be something that's kind of in the basement. Most of the people maybe not don't know about it, what's going on or that it's even happening down there, that kind of thing. And this is cool. Um, obviously when I came back, um, things had changed significantly yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, in the interim years, but, uh, but yeah. Um, I've had conversations with other people who were there when, when we were there and the difference in, the facilities between what was in the the TV studios at Dempster and mm-hmm. the basement of Memorial Hall was was pretty stark. Yes. Does that sound right to you that it was a lot more fancy equipment and newer stuff at the TV place? Oh yeah, I mean the TV station stuff. I, well, you know when I had left the unfortunately I unfortunately left the first time, I had already prepared a show. I, I mean, and this is how deeply I got involved in the TV side. I mean, I, I already, I created a show, a sports show that was going to start airing my junior year when I came back and, and I didn't come back sadly. No. Um, and I think they did pick that up and start running with that show. You know, after I didn't come back, someone else picked up the mantle and, and took it uh, forward. But I mean, I, you know, I was able to take all this state of the art equipment. And I mean, there are people from, you know, other, you know, media outlets. I mean, sports, uh, wasn't sport, the sports channel station was doing their sports updates from Dempster hall. I mean, they, you know, they, they, their, their nightly news show. I mean, so they were, it was real quality professional studio. I mean, it was a real, the real thing, the real deal. And, um, and the radio station, while obviously it was, you know, for those that are in radio understand that it, it's a real station. I mean, it's, it's nothing, there's nothing wrong with the facility technically. I mean, it, it achieved what you needed it to achieve at that right. time. Um, it didn't have the same feel, not even close. Yeah. Do you remember, I, I kind of want to piece things together here because there's your first stint mm-hmm. at WRHU and then you're working for a commercial radio station and you're, you're getting your chops and you're getting your experience and then you come back back to Hofstra. Do you remember in any of those phases getting on the air the first time, or do you remember your differences and like your expectations and and being ready or being nervous to get on the air? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I I, I don't recall the first time I I got on the air in in each of those cases, but here's what I remember from the first stint. Um, it would have been, I don't even think it was 89. I think it was probably the second semester in 90. I got on the air for the first time and I was doing classics from Hofstra and I made sure that I didn't pop my descriptions of, you know, Brahms or whatever it was. And I tried to stay as calm and, you know, everything in my, (laughs) when I turned the mic on. Uh, But here's a story that's, you know, you can decide how appropriate this is for the audience. But I (laughs) I turned, I went for a class. It had to have been my, probably my third time on the air. And I was not a morning person. So getting up to do the, the classics from Hofstra in the morning, even though it started, I think, at nine, was that yeah. to me was way too, way too early. Um, and so I, you know, arrived, you know, got everything settled, put the first record on. And, um, and yeah, by incidentally, make it clear, although records were still there when I came back too, it was a record. And so I, uh, uh, put the needle down and I really had to go to the restroom. I said, all right. And as you remember back in Memorial Hall, I don't think they had speakers in the bathrooms. No. And so I went and as I came back into the studio, the phone is ringing and I had, I'd never experienced that before. And I didn't even know that. I mean, I knew that the phone was there, but 
I pick up the phone and someone on the other end, there's a woman, I don't know who it was, yelling at me that the record was skipping. And I had no idea. <laughs> I had no idea. So I quickly fixed that in the way that we were told to fix it, lower the volume, move the needle, and raise the volume slowly back up and uh, and moving on my way. But yeah, so that was horrifying. The, that just had to be like the third time I was ever on the air. Oh, oh my heart's breaking for you. That's... Oh. <laughs> so I don't know how long I had been skipping for. I don't know how long I was out of the studio. I thought I had, you know, a side of an album at least to take my time. Anyway. Yeah. And and for those, again, I, I don't know what, what things are like now, but there were the phone flashers, which would have been mm-hmm. when you're sitting at the board looking forward towards the announcer booth. There were little uh, strobe light kind of things yes. that went off. Yes. And yeah, I guess if you're not prepared for that and you see a light going off, <laughs> your, your your heart must have sunk all the way down to your feet. Like, what's going on? It did. It did. It was horrifying. Horrifying. But oh. uh, I made it through. I made it through. And, and then it was... It's, you know, in my memory, it was like the same day, but it wasn't. It, I, I remember there was another time I was there. I happened to be in the office... Uh, down the hall, in Memorial Hall, happened to be down there. And someone uh, for the, it was an afternoon news break. It wasn't an evening news. I don't think I was there at night. I, I could be wrong, but if they, I don't know if they did an afternoon one or what, but I, I happened to be there and someone ran down the hall and said, we need somebody to read the news. And I said, and, and there was no one else in there. There were maybe one other person. And whoever it was at the time, she looked at me and said, can you do it? And I was like, uh, yeah, sure. I can do that. And she gave me just this cold copy ripped off the AP machine, essentially, of whatever news there was to read. And it was the first time I had done anything other than, I think, the classics. And I said, I can do this. I got this. This is this is why I'm here. This is what I'm going to do. This is my this is the whole point. You know, I've been thinking about, OK, what am I if I'm, I'm going to do sports radio? This is the kind of thing I need to be able to do. And I probably tripped and stumbled over every single word in that. Sporting that newscast, I don't think I got a single sentence out without um, without messing it up. And and again, I think that's probably some of the you know these are the reasons why I kind of like okay maybe this isn't my thing. Maybe I got to do TV. Maybe maybe this TV production thing is the way I got to go. I don't know. So um, yeah, so those are the two big memories I have from being on air in the first stint, first go around. And I know I kept doing the classics. I know I think I did the classics for you know probably for the rest of my freshman year. I don't know if I went back for the sophomore year and did anything of substance. I was still a member of the station. And I think, I, I think that meant you had to pick up a certain number of shifts. And I know I did whatever the minimum was. Right. Um, but I don't think I, you know, I didn't push, you know, so to speak to think like I even had the chance of getting on air to do a basketball game, for instance, you know, uh, so. that's, that's rough. But, um, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I really, I feel for you. That's, that, that's hard because yeah, I mean, we've all got nerves and we all mm-hmm. kind of mess up and, and you've made this journey and you tried it out, but let's, let's jump forward in time yeah. and you get this job, you know, which is like, Hey, it's a similar thing where it's like, Hey, can you work tomorrow or whatever right. it is? Like, right. Okay, sure. So what about getting on the air there and, and, and learning that board and learning that station? How did that feel? Well, I mean, I, you know, from, if nothing else, I'd aged, right? Um, and so I'd, I'd gotten to a point where I was like, okay, this is, you know, I'm, I, I'm fairly, I realize I'm fairly competent at things in general. Um, and I think I can handle, uh, you know, things that are thrown my way. I'd also been doing some, um, uh, 
uh, I had been doing some uh, newspaper reporting in the interim as well. So I had gotten comfortable talking to people, you know, um, like in terms of like interviews of sports players and coaches and things like that for local high schools and stuff. So I felt that there was some aspect of, um, of what I was doing that I'd be able to, you know, handle this. So I didn't have the, quite the same amount of nerves, plenty of them, don't get me wrong, but not quite the same feeling. Right. Um, so when I went back there, it was just, a, you know, it was just, you know, play these three songs, open the mic, intro, you know, tell them what you played, start the commercial break, come back, tell them what the next song is, and, you know, and move on. So it really wasn't too, you know, overly challenging. Plus it was music that I knew right. <laughs> that didn't hurt. Um, and I got to play the who, you know, and stuff like that. So it was kind of, you know, it's like, oh, okay, no problem. Um, so, yeah, but there was definitely still some nerves. And But I do remember the first time I got to do a news report and I crushed it. I absolutely nailed it. Uh, and the, and the, this, the station manager came into the studio when I was done and it was the same thing. I filled in for somebody who wasn't there. Um, and the station manager came in and said, that was great. You need to do this for us all the time. And I said, okay. Oh, great. <laughs> so, oh, cool. So yeah, it was complete opposite. Uh, and it was, I, I think it just, I think it was just a matter of age, you know, honestly, and just having confidence of being an older, you know, being, being around, you know, I didn't, it didn't scare me as much, I think, as it did when I was, you know, essentially 18, 19. Um, and so I think that made the big difference. Yeah. And I got to think that that conversation that you had with your boss where he's like, look, you're not meeting expectations and you're mm -hmm. capable of more. I mm -hmm. mean, that, I, I got to like, as you're talking about this, that's just resonating in my head. And I got to think it was, it was really important for you as well. Oh yeah. And well, one of the keys, I don't think I said it earlier is that one of the things that he said to me was, um, you know, if you want to do a good job at anything, you need to do a good job at everything. Like you, you can't just slack off in this job and think that you're going to suddenly pick it up and be great at the next one. Mm. Um, and I took that to heart too. I mean, even now I'm not in radio anymore, but like, you know, like I just take it, it, it all means something, right? You know, everything you're doing has to have some importance to it. If you don't like the job you have, then work to get the job you want. You know, that's the kind of thing that, that, that the message he was delivering. And, it, and it's true. And it's true all throughout, right? I mean, even if you were doing, let's say you're doing, you know, you're, you're doing the classics from Hofstra. You don't want to do that. Okay, but do a really good job at it and people will recognize that. And they'll say, hey, he's, this person's good on the air. Let's let's try them out somewhere else. Or if they ask, if you ask to do something else, like, yeah, well, you're doing a good job on classics. Sure, let's give you a shot, you know, so. Wow, that's great. That's great advice. So, so now you've you've spent enough time at this radio station. I, I guess you've saved up enough money, and mm -hmm. you come back to Hofstra. And did you, did you know it was going to be the station was going to be in a different place? Were you thinking about TV? What were your expectations coming back? Uh, it was a little bit of both. I, the one thing I knew for sure is I absolutely needed to get back to radio. I knew that I wanted to do. I, I wanted to call games. That was if I did not. If I left Hofstra and not having called a single, you know, called any sports games, it would have been a failure. Hmm. Um, so, um, so yes, I got I me. Mean, my major was still my major, and it was it was my major was still communications with a television production track. Um, and um, and professor, it, it, I had some great experiences with with the folks there when I came back, and great advice from Professor Gershon, in particular. Mm -hmm. in particular. Um, and so, 
Um, but I came right to them for the radio. I mean, I think it was my second day on campus. I came right over to the radio station and found out what was necessary and needed and so on. Found out about the training class. And when I saw it, I remember walking into the building. It's like, wow, this is where it is now. Holy mackerel. Look at this. Um, and it was uh, beautiful, you know, compared to, to where it was. And again, nothing, nothing wrong with where it was. It's just, it wound up being really something spectacular. Um, it was, it was such that I didn't even know that, you know, college radio stations would be like that, you know? So it was, uh, it was really impressive. Um, but yeah, I went down and went right, right into the training classes as soon as they started. So, so now you're entering, you're coming back and now it's the Bruce Avery era and mm-hmm. you're, you're in, uh, the new facility and there's this new level of training course. And you, and you said you were, you know, it sounds like you were fairly pragmatic and, and, and humble about it. Like, yeah, I'm going to go through the training class, even though I've got my FCC license and I've got this practical experience. Do you remember anything from the training class that was useful or you're like, Oh, okay, that's cool. I'm going to use that now. Well, yeah. I mean, all of the training class was valuable. I, and I mean, I, I hope I was humble. I mean, I think I certainly intended to be. Um, I, I didn't make any assumptions. I didn't tell people that I was on the air somewhere else. Um, you know, I, I just, or if I did, I don't recall, you know, I don't think it, it came up. I don't think, I, you know, and I didn't want to just sound like, oh, I already know how to do this. Um, because there was stuff that I didn't know, right? Certainly from an aspect of the digital side of things, which was just starting up. Um, that, at that time, um, I didn't know any of that. So, I mean, there was definitely an aspect that I, I, I couldn't claim, you know, because I was still spinning records at that old radio station and CDs, but, you know, records as well. So um, it was, uh, I remember Ed Ingalls coming in to the training class and thinking, holy mackerel, that's Ed Ingalls. I know him, you know, Um you know, having heard him on CBS radio, uh, it was just kind of immediately, rec- I, it was like a, it was like a, you know, uh, it, it triggered a memory just hearing his voice, you know, I just like, oh my God, I know this guy, this is so cool. Um, and so, you know, there was a lot of, there was, you know, I had no, no expectations of, of, of like breezing through. I mean, I, I expected it pass through the class that I didn't think that I wouldn't. Um, but I had no expectation of being able to just, you know, skip it and be fine. You know, I was glad that that that, that was there because it definitely, I, I think that it brings you that level of comfort that, okay, now I get it. Now I understand what is going to happen once I get in that studio. So that's cool. Uh, I've asked this of a, of a number of people who came in and, and worked with Ed and, you know, most folks don't know, He's had angles, you know, as you know, with the, right. with the trumpets blaring and, and so forth. But you had an idea of who he was. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, that must have been very cool to to know that you were going to work with this guy and learn from him. Yeah, I, I you know, I listening to the radio was, you know, it was always on when I was a kid and I lived in New Jersey. I lived in New Jersey until I was uh, thirteen, just before my thirteenth birthday, uh-huh. and, then moved, and then I moved to Vermont. So, um, so listening to the radio was constant. Um, and whether it was news radio or then music, et cetera, it was, it was always on. So, um, so yeah, I, I knew, I knew the name, I knew the voice when I heard it. Um, and, um, you know, so that was exciting, but what was really great about it, and I know others have said this, but I mean, you could not find a more personable down to earth, 
giving guy. I mean, it comes to radio. I mean, it, I mean, it, it was everything, every piece of advice he gave me, I took to heart and every piece of advice he gave me was important. I mean, it, I mean, there wasn't anything that it was, you know, there was no, like, when he had a conversation with me, I mean, I, I didn't bother the guy, you know what I mean? I wouldn't just stop in his office and try to, you know, shoot the breeze with him. I, you know, I, but you know, it was, you know, the things that, that he had said to me over the course of the couple of years that I was around him, every single one of them made a difference. I remember at the time it was when sports center was starting to get gimmicky and, uh-huh. and, and, um, and, and John Sterling had only been the Yankee announcer at that point for probably about I don't know five or six years or something, whatever it was. And I remember I, I'm not a fan of John Sterling as a Yankee radio announcer. And, you know, there are many who disagree with me and that's fine. I just don't, I don't like the pomp and circumstance when it comes to announcing myself. And so I remember telling him that and he said, well, listen, I mean, aside from telling me some stories about his experience with John Sterling, which I won't relay here because it's not my, not my business to do so. Um, But, you know, he then, you know, told me, he goes, well, you know, well, what's your, your thing? And I said, well, I, my thing is just trying to get the facts straight and, and be, you know, you know, relay exactly what's happening and the importance of it and the historic placement of things, that kind of thing, but not, I don't care about, you know, having some catch phrase and that kind of stuff. He goes, well, then that's your thing. That that's your gimmick. Your gimmick is to be straightforward and true to what you want it to be. And that's, that's okay too. Um, and it kind of gave me that comfort level that I didn't have to come up with something goofy to say or fun or, you know, crazy, you know, in the middle and make sure that if somebody, you know, hits a three pointer, I have to come up with a special way to say that. And all that right. stuff. So it was, it, that was just one piece of advice. That's great. great. That's great. Yeah. You don't have to do a uh, boom goes the dynamite or I think, that, <laughs> I think that was about that time, right? That was, that was, that was right around that time. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, that's, that's, that's great advice. And I'm sure if it was the other way, if you felt like, oh, I want to be that guy who's got, you know, the, mm-hmm. the he would have found a way mm-hmm. to encourage you. That's, that's fantastic. So, so in the training class, it's, it's Ed and Bruce teaching. Do you remember who else was, was teaching or uh, involved in the class? Well, Sean, Sean Novat was the station manager and I, and I'm pretty sure he conducted classes if I'm okay. not mistaken. Um, I'm trying to remember if there was any other professor or anything. Yeah. I, I don't recall. I mean that, you know, they were just so present the Bruce and, and, and Ed that, that it was always, that's just who you remember, you know? I mean, that's who was always mm. there. Um, but yeah, that's great. Yeah. So, so you go through the training class, you pass it, you're back in the station and I imagine you're working towards getting on the air and calling a game. Do you remember getting on the air, yeah. doing a game the first time or working with the sports department or who was around then? Yeah. So, um, Thad Brown was on his last stint. Mm-hmm. Um, Kevin Winter was there. Anthony Garcia, uh, who's the interview I, who's podcast I just listened to, you know, he was there. Uh, Dan Gentili, uh, Danny G, um, myself and Vinny Micucci just came in just, you know, just to, to, to join. Um, same with uh, Ray Alexander, who I think was that same class or he might've been the next year. I'm not sure. Um, uh, so uh, uh, Anthony Curran, Adam Geller, and now Anthony, the both Anthony's and Adam Geller and Kevin Winter, and you know, they were, had all been there. Um, you know, they were the, you know, and I, and I guess Anthony wasn't there that long. 
Garcia, but they, you know, they were the veterans who, you know, again, I know I was older than them. And, you know, of course that became, I became the end, the butt end of jokes for, for being older and all that. But, um, you know, I, I did not, because again, especially because I had not had any experience or success in this area, you know, and it, it was, it was always very much a, okay, let's see what I can do. Um, and so to be honest, I don't recall the first game that I got to do. I know it must have been basketball. Um, and I know that I wasn't, um, I wasn't play by play. I know that, but I, you know, so you kind of, you know, you get your try, you get used to it. You get to, you know, and it's funny because play by plays where my strength is. It's not that I don't know the game, but I'm, you know, much better at calling it than I am describing, especially when it comes to basketball. If you want to go to my order of, of knowledge for sports, it's baseball, football, hockey, and basketball Mm -hmm. in that order. Um, That, but then eventually what, what wound up happening is I got so comfortable. And again, through a lot of instruction by Ed, and this is something I can't express enough. Like he, he, he taught me about just some of the descriptions about the on the court locations, you know, where the, what the elbow was, you know, you know, beyond the arc, behind the arc, you know, on the wings, baseline stuff. I mean, not that I didn't know those, most of those, but the, the importance of telling the audience the location of where the ball was at any given time all came from Ed. Um, you know, even though I listened to games, I didn't quite understand the value, um, you know, uh, until he, you know, imparted on that on me and, and understanding that it, you know, quickly basketball quickly became, you know, you know, aside from football, which we'll get to, I guess, if we have time, but, uh, you know, basketball quickly became my favorite because I, you know, suddenly it became something that, well, not only was the basketball team good, because that was the speedy Claxton years, but it was, it was, wow. You know, once I figured I can do it, it made all the difference to how much I enjoyed it. Um, Just like anything, right. You don't like a sport unless you're good at playing it sometimes. Right. Um, So um, yeah, learning all that. Uh, and it really was from the ground up. I, 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 it took me time to figure out how to do all that and do it in a way that at least made sense to the audience. Was there a, a, a time or a moment or, or, you know, how far in when you start calling these basketball games and, and doing the color commentary and, and, and working it, was there a moment where like when that station manager came in and went, wow, you, that was really good. You got to do this more often. Was there a, a light bulb moment or, or a feeling of like, yeah, I, I've got this. I'm good at this. I'm, 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 see, I'm getting the results that I want. Um, to be honest, not really until the second okay. year. I, it's just coming back to me now. I'm pretty sure the first basketball game I did was with Anthony Curran. And Anthony would have been doing the play-by-play and I did the color. And, and he's a good guy, a really great, great guy and still a friend. Um, and as I am, and, and that's, I think, and, and others have mentioned this, and I, don't, I know this is going on a little bit of a tangent, what you just asked, but, you know, all these guys that I mentioned, you know, they're all, you know, I all consider them friends, uh, you know, to this day. And, I, and I said, that sounds a really weird way of saying it, because not that they wouldn't consider it either. I hope they do. Um, but I still keep in touch, you know, unfortunately, it's, you know, it's through social media mostly, but, um, you know, Anthony Garcia and, and Dan Gentile, Anthony Kern, especially the three of them, Vinny Micucci. Um, you know, they're all, uh, you know, I feel like I could pick up the phone tomorrow and have, you know, the same conversation I would have had, you know, 
20 years ago. Um, but to, back to your question. So the, um, the, when I really realized it, it wasn't really until my second year back in my, what was my senior year. Um, when Ed held uh, like a little bit of an audition or a competition for the play-by-play of the football games. Mm. Um, and, and I won that, if you will, I won the, uh, the opportunity to, to do the play-by-play for football. And I remember vividly sitting in one of the side classrooms um, with a uh, TV monitor of a Giants Cowboys game um, and, you know, on tape and calling the play-by-play of that Giants Cowboys game as the play developed, you know, play developed and took turns with various partners, you know, on the color and the, and, and, uh, and the play-by-play. And when that, when that was given to me to do, that was really like, okay, wow. And now I feel like I finally achieved that level of, I made it. Like, this is why I came back to Hofstra. Yeah, I got to do some basketball games, but football was a one-shot deal. You got to be the, and I don't know if it's, well, there's no football anymore, sadly. Um, But football was, you got to be the play-by-play voice and the color commentator for the season. So basketball was handed off, you know, team to team each, you know, each game, but football was, you got, if you, if you're doing this, you're doing it for the whole season. And, um, that's when I felt like that every, every moment from 1989 until that point in 1998, every moment was worth it to get to that point. Cause that was the, you know, the, you know, the crowning achievement. Um, and not to mention the crazy stories that came out of doing those basketball games. It was myself and Anthony Garcia. Um, and the, the you know the story I don't I won't get into all of them now because that'll take an entirely another show. But there were so many stories that came out of that whole uh, experience, and and the value of doing that as a broadcaster was like you couldn't couldn't have uh, couldn't have paid for more. Let's just put it that way. That must have been such a gratifying feeling of you know working your way back and getting through the the training class and doing all the stuff and then and then getting the call from ed ingles no less and saying you're the guy that must have been such a great feeling yeah it it was it was and at the same time i felt bad uh you know and in some ways in 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 a lot of ways because you know i i had just gone back to school um the previous year even when i was doing basketball games and such um you know, I was getting opportunities as someone who was older than these other guys who were at the station for longer than me, in some cases, technically speaking. Um, and but they were younger and they they were, you know, they had hopes, you know, to maybe do the same thing that I was doing. And I, I kind of I felt like I snuck in and and grabbed it. And I felt always felt kind of bad and guilty about that. Um And then there were moments where I was like, well, but yeah, but that's why you're here. Like, yeah, that you can't hold yourself back, you know, uh, and not take the chance and the opportunity, you know, when it's given to you. So it was kind of a strange bit of mixed feelings, but, um, but yeah, to be able to do that, I mean, this is a guy who did Super Bowl three, right? I mean, so this is, we're not talking about somebody who didn't know what he was talking about um, when it came to broadcasting and, you know, not just doing news stuff, but doing the, you know, the actual games itself so it was it was definitely very that's 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 fantastic and you know uh, to be fair like you said some people may have been at the station a little bit longer or spent more time consecutively but you had been through a journey you know you had put in the hours and the effort and and to really get there 
Um, you know, I don't want to sell that short because some, some people go, mm. well, I guess, I guess it's not for me, but you were determined to make it happen. And, and I, I think, I think that counts for a lot for, for making that and, and reaching that goal. So I, I, I don't want, like I said, I don't want to sell that short. I think that's, that's definitely worth noting. Yeah. Well, thank you. And it's, it's true. Very true. Very true. Um, but yeah, and that was doing the football games was uh, insanely fun, and I wasn't great at it. I mean, to, to start, I mean, I, I remember a very uh, another one of Ed's lessons was huge, um, and it's a weird. It was a weird kind of serendipity moment. Um, early on in the season, there was a, a, a defensive back and a kick returner for Hofstra named Robert Thomas, and he was the son of a former NFL player. I can't remember who it was. It wasn't the same last name. Uh, at any rate, um, he uh, returned a kick for a touchdown in, in game, and I called it, and and it was crazy, you know, exciting. Yeah. And I went back and listened to it after and, and didn't, wasn't a great call. And Ed came to me and said, Hey, that, that wasn't a great call. <laughs> and I said, and I said, yeah, he goes, well, I go, but what could I have done better? And he, he gave me very specific reasons why it wasn't so great. Um, and it was, um, you know, mostly because I was just so out of breath and excited by the moment rather than actually describing it. Um, and just by luck, I guess, uh, it was about seven or eight games later towards the end of the season, he did it again. Mm. He returned another kickoff for a touchdown. And this time I literally was ready for it. I mean, I, because of what Ed had told me and because of my thoughts and, and I had employed the things that he had said in other aspects of the game, not just for that kind of moment, but any other plays. And at, at, I don't know if you, if you remember following Hofstra football back then, but it was Gio Carmazzi was the quarterback it was wide open West Coast offense, tons of big plays, yeah. you know, passing, a lot of passing yardage, a lot of big touchdowns, the high scoring games. So there was a lot, there was a lot of exciting moments to call. Um, and uh, so Robert Thomas eventually then returned another kick for a touchdown. And, you know, in my humble opinion, I absolutely nailed it. And it was such a same thing. It's kind of like, wow, that, there it is. There it is. That's what I was supposed to do the first time. And I'm so thankful to get an opportunity to do it the second time and get it right. So. It's almost like that fine line between being a fan and being the broadcaster, you know, that yeah. level of excitement that you have to be able to temper that and realize, yeah, I'm not just excited because it's fun to watch, but I'm, I'm telling the story. Yeah. Yeah. And I can't imagine being, and I, I grew up a Yankee fan, a Giants fan, and all that. And so I can't imagine being um, on the air. The Islanders would probably be a good example. Yeah. And, I, and it's relevant to RHU. I was a big Islanders fan when I was little, when I was a kid. And I, and just by also the virtue of a couple of different things, uh, I had the opportunity to work with Barry Landers on uh, in up in uh, the broadcast booth for Islanders games back when my first stint uh, uh, of the at Hofstra. Um, but I, I can't imagine being on the air for an Islanders game. I think back then I could have, <laughs> because I was in the middle of it, right. I was in the meat of it. And I was like, wow, I could do this. I want to do this. But in retrospect, I can imagine if not if getting very quickly out of control of calling an Islanders game in the Stanley cup playoffs and being, you know, and having an exciting goal and just kind of losing my mind, you know, in the middle of that. Um, 
being a fan and being there. So the good thing about Hofstra football was I was a fan because I was a Hofstra guy and I was rooting for Hofstra to win, but it's not like a huge long history. It's not like Alabama football right. or, you know, Georgia or something like that, where you grew up a fan and you had stuff all over your room and all that. Other thing. So, but yeah, you're right. Being that fan and being the broadcaster is a tough line to walk. Yeah. Um, oh, that's so cool. Um, I, I, I'm not quite sure how to frame this and you can, you can take it as, as you will, but I, I, you've kind of alluded to this and that your, your ideas and what you wanted out of the radio station or Hofstra in general, but can you go back and at any stage when you're 18 and you first come to Hofstra or when you come back, what did you hope the station would be for you and what did it become? Yeah, I, I mean, I hoped it would be that proving ground for myself that I would, that I could do this. I could do not only, and it wasn't just sports. Sports was my primary focus, but, but that was, you know, to be able to, to, to say, you know, I want to be a broadcaster. Can I do this? Um, and, um, and I came out of it and the answer was yes. Um, now again, I'm not in radio any longer, but, um, but it wound up being that thing that propelled me to go ahead and, and keep working. I did some, you know, I, I wound up making a, a crazy amount of connections over the years that I was there. I worked in um, television production uh, because of some of the connections that I made. And, you know, back in the day, uh, he's retired now, but Jim Sheehan was the sports information director back then. Mm-hmm. Both, both times I was there. Um also great guy and extremely helpful to me. He's the one who put me in contact with Barry Landers with the Islanders and, and got me uh, to meet him. And it was because, you know, I got to, and, and, and working as a, uh, as a spotter in the booth for after football games, my first year, um, uh, my, uh, my freshman year when I was you know, back in, you know, 89 to 90, um, met people like, you know, Marty Lyons and, you know, and, uh, and Barry Landers was doing the games and, you know, former players and so on who did the co- the color commentary for that stuff. And then wound up working as a statistician for Long Island sports network stuff and, uh, doing PA announcing for, you know, small soccer teams in Brooklyn and things like, <laughs> like oh. you name it. I was trying to, you know, get my feet in and do anything that I could when I could, um, and it, it was just, a, it was, you know, it, it opened up so many different doors and the, the most important door of all of it. And I've, I, I relayed this story once through um, social media to Sean, but Sean Novat was the station manager when I came back to Hofstra. Um, and um, once I graduated, he knew that I lived in New Jersey. And I, I think I must have been back at Hofstra because I was back on Long Island f- every once in a while. Was, like I said, I was doing some PA announcing. I was doing stats for Long Island Sports Network stuff and a few different things. And I ran into Sean or he saw me or somehow he got this to me. And I, and I, I don't remember the exact circumstance, but he gave me a, a, a job listing for a radio station in New Jersey. And he said, you're in New Jersey, right? And I said, I said, yeah. So I, I, it was a radio station called WGHT up in Pompton Lakes, New Jersey. And I called uh, the next day and got an interview and came in and got the job as a sports guy. And basically that's what it was. It was doing sports. Uh, it was doing um, new sports news, mm-hmm. you know, a few times a day, a couple times a day. And then the occasional weekend high school sporting event. 
and um, my that was in I got the job in July and it was about a, about a week in. Um, I got called in to do my first on-air sports report and the DJ on the other side of the glass um, wound up becoming my wife. Wow. So, uh, so yes. So I saw her across the glass and she was beautiful. And I said, Holy mackerel. Uh, you know, and I was single and, and, and wanting to be single at the time, you know, and didn't want to have any, you know, I was going to start my career up, back up and all that. And I saw her across the glass and I'm like, Oh no. <laughs> it's all over. It's all over. And she wound up, she did this, she did the report. She did her thing as a DJ and threw it to me and started talking. She, and she'll tell the story. She's told the story many times. She's, she was told never talk to the sports guys cause they have no idea how to have a conversation. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and so she opened the mic and started talking to me about how she was driving to school to not school to uh, work that day. And, and almost hit a squirrel and was talking about how squirrel, suicidal squirrels are when they run in front of cars. And we had to wound up having like a two minute conversation before my sports report. And then she turned the mic off. After, anyway, turned the mic back on after my, when the next song started and she goes, what are you doing here? You're too good. You're too good to be here. Um, and that started the conversation and 24 years later, it's still going. So fantastic. Wow. What a journey. This has been, uh, this has been a lot of fun. <laughs> I, I really appreciate these stories. Uh, it has been a lot of fun, uh, hearing your story and from what, you know, you posted on social media after I posted Anthony Garcia's interview, <laughs> yeah. it seems like there's more stories. Oh yeah. Uh, there are many more. Um, and, and, but you know, it's, 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 they have uh, each of, you know, there, there's some stuff that is, you know, more of like a, you know, there was a one liner here, that kind of thing. And then there's other much longer things like how I got to Hawaii, I think, is a very fun story. But um, but yeah, it was uh, it was best two, two of the best years of my life. The second time I came back and not to not to disparage the first two because it had to get, I had to get started somewhere. Right. Um, but uh, but when I came back, it was, a, it was a huge, huge thing for the rest of my life. Well, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing these stories. And uh, we'll do this again sometime. We'll do some more stories. Thank you so much. All right. Absolutely. Thank you.